So, um, first, can we just uh, take a few moments to, to simply be thankful? Uh, can we just take a moment and say, thank you, Lord, for, uh, for rain, amen, for ponds that are full in mid-July, late July? Can we just say, uh, thank you, Lord, for days in July when the high was 84? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for food to eat. Thank you, Lord, for a place to sleep. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom to worship without fear or persecution. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for forgiveness of the wrong, for the gospel, for resurrection, power, for the possibility of new beginnings, for the possibility of a new creation. Church, I urge you, if you do not already, to take up the spiritual discipline of gratitude every day. And this is a good, simple, but profound way to do it. Every day, write down five things you're thankful for, five things that you are blessed by, five things you appreciate. Love yourself, says Paul. Love yourself by giving, by living a life of attitude life of attitude, life of gratitude. <laughs> I'm really hoping Jackie isn't watching this. <laughs> She's not going to let me forget that one. So, uh, we come to the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, and it ends with a bang, not a whimper. Uh, verse 11, Paul says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Years ago, uh, and excuse me, I'm going to get my cold coffee because I'm uh, getting dry here. Years ago, I have, well, I have a friend that years ago uh, was pastoring a small church over in East Texas and I think he and the church had a, a fairly contentious time with each other. And so when he was getting ready to leave, somebody uh, using calligraphy uh, wrote that verse on a piece of paper. Um, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And then they framed it and gave it to him as a going away present. And... I knew there was some sort of inside joke that I didn't quite get, but it was still funny, even though I didn't really get the inside joke. Well, when Paul writes this, it's, uh, to be clear, not a handwriting issue. Paul has been dictating. Paul has been dictating a letter to the Galatians about a particular issue that they're struggling with and an issue that he is worried about. And so he's been dictating verse after verse, chapter after chapter, paragraph after paragraph. And then finally, at the end, Paul picks up the pen just, just, just to make sure they really get the point. He, he, he's been saying it, and he's been saying it, and he's been saying it, but now he wants to say it one more time so that they really get it. And what is it that Paul wants them to get? It's there in verse 15, where he says, the only thing that counts is a new creation. The only thing that counts is a new creation. 
And then he tries to express that. He's already been expressing that in the letter. Back in 5-6, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And in 5.14, he says, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, three different ways to say a new creation. What is a new creation? It is a life immersed in love and not a life immersed in anything else. A new creation. A life immersed in love. It reminds me of his famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, where he basically says there's all sorts of important things, but without love, none of it really matters at all. The only thing that counts is a life immersed in love. Love for neighbor, love for yourself, love for God, love for everyone. The only thing that counts is a new creation. So why is Paul so worried that they might not get this? Why is Paul so compelled that they do get this? It is because, as we have talked about previously, uh, there's some evangelists that have come in behind Paul. And they've said, yes, yes, you've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But that's not enough. That's not enough. You must be circumcised just so you are sure that God really loves you so that you can be sure that you really are saved. You must be circumcised just to make sure you're in the right group and you know you're in the right group and not the wrong group. Add-ons, as I talked about one Sunday. No, says Paul. Paul knows that circumcision is shorthand for follow all the rules. And he has been arguing that if following the rules saves you, then what do you need Jesus for? If I can be saved by just following the rules, then the cross was for nothing. Second is, he says, it doesn't matter because you're incapable of following all the rules. You can't just follow some of the rules. You have to follow all the rules, right? Anyone ever said a little white lie just to save yourself some embarrassment? I never have. Oh, I just broke the law. I'm a lawbreaker, right? And then he goes on to say, it's not really about being in the right group anymore. The only thing that matters is a new creation, which means your group isn't that important, which means your group isn't going to save you. And that's a radical, counter-cultural, counter-intuitive, scandalous thing to claim. Yes, these Galatians have become Christians, but they still assume they're in the making sure you're in the right group business. They assume they're still in the sorting out business, I call it. And I get it because that's just how the world works for them. It's how the world works for us. What group are you in? Are you in the right group? And then we sort everybody out by group. It's just what we do. We try to decide who's worthy, who's unworthy. 
who is good, who is bad, who is deserving, who is undeserving, who is forgivable, who is to be shunned, rejected. The term for this is social media. Huh? It's all about the right groups and the wrong groups, who's in and who's out. Now, it breaks my heart to even talk about it. It's been going on for years, but our denomination the United Methodist Church, for several years, this, this church that I, that I have loved since childhood seems to find itself in the sorting out business, the right group business. The United Methodist Church is busy trying to figure out how to be the divided Methodist Church. And it's been going on for years, and we're not the only denomination going through this. And I don't know if that cheers me or depresses me even more, Who's conservative enough? Who's liberal enough? Who's scriptural enough or traditional enough or orthodox enough or pure enough? Who's open-minded enough? Who's not open-minded enough? And as a sidebar, if you think it's your business to decide who's not open-minded enough, guess what? You're not open-minded. <laughs> You're not open-minded enough. Huh? The in-and-out business the right group business, the sorting out business, sexual identity, let's sort them out, tattoos, let's sort them out. Who did you vote for? Oh, sorry, you're in the wrong group, right? The only thing that counts is a new creation. Faith expressing itself through love. Loving those around you as much as you love yourself. That's crazy talk, isn't it? That's not how the world works. What if political parties said, whatever decisions we make, it's only going to be made based on love? Huh? What if health care policy was only talked about and decided on in order to help people become new creations? Huh? What if immigration policy was only based on love of neighbor? That's not the world, way the world works, right? And Paul knows that. Paul isn't talking to the world. He knows how the world works. He's talking to the church. Paul knows that God is doing something. God is transform transforming and changing the world. But he's doing it through these little collection of people called church. Paul knows that the world will never be different if Christians can't be different first. So, back in 2005, uh, I did what's called a pulpit exchange at a little Methodist church in Belfast, Ireland. Uh, my family and I, we went up and served this little Methodist church for most of the summer. Their pastor came to San Angelo and served my church for most of the summer. And so, um, you most of you recall what they, what they call the Troubles in Ireland. For decades, for decades, it was violence between Catholics and Protestants. And terrorism and innocent people killed, children killed. Uh, and it had been going on and on and on and on. And when we got there, the, the peace agreement, the ink was just barely dry. Okay? 
the peace agreement that the Clinton administration brokered was, was hanging in there, but everybody was very nervous about it, that this might just fall apart and we're going to go back to the violence. Well, Brenda and I got there about a week early, and uh, with our kids, we, we went down to the Republic of Ireland, and we're touring and doing tourist things. And on a Sunday morning, we got up, and close by was this little church, and everybody's walking to this church. So we said, hey, let's go to church. And so we go, and it's a, it's a little Catholic church. And it's a fairly new uh, building. Uh, lots of families, a pretty young congregation, a lot of energy, uh, a really nice priest, and um, so we went to church. Uh, out of respect, we didn't take communion, but um, they were very gracious, and we had a good time. So we, uh, we make our way back up to Northern Ireland, and uh, we're meeting with the church, and they're like, oh, what did you do on your... Um, your week in the Republic. And we said, well, we went here and we went there and, and we did this. And, oh, we went to a Catholic church on Sunday. And they went, <coughs> you're not supposed to do that, they said. Hmm? Wrong group. And this was a sweet congregation. They were good, kind people, these Methodists in Belfast. Notice that Paul doesn't say, try harder. He says, new creation. Jesus says, born again. Something altogether new and different. And that's why Paul in the whole New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit all the time. Trying harder will never be enough. If trying harder worked, we wouldn't need Jesus either. Huh? It's only when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us can we hope to be transformed into something miraculously brand new. Uh, Micah and Misty, who are back there in the back, um, they're about to take off for Thailand, I believe. And uh, just this last week, I heard a, a Thailand story, Bubba Stahl, pastor at First Baptist who's done missionary work in Thailand told this story and he, he said um, during the COVID uh, at a certain point in time there was a little village in Thailand and they uh, uh, somebody tested positive for COVID and so the military came out and surrounded this village so that no one could leave can you imagine in America okay um, and he said there was a little Christian church congregation in that little village. And he said the, the Christians went out and gave food to the soldiers and gave them Bible verses and prayed for them. So no one else in the village did that. For freedom you are set free says Paul in Galatians. And those Christians in that village were set free. They were set free to not see the world anymore in terms of groups and who's right group, who's the wrong group, who's in the right category, who's in the wrong category. What they saw when they looked at the culture, what they saw when they looked at the world was God's children 
neighbors in need of love and neighborliness and mercy. That's the business we're in, the church, the new creation business. When we send out missionaries, we're not sending them out to help people get a little better. We're sending them out to be channels of the Holy Spirit so that people can be transformed into a new creation. Youth group was at UM Army a couple of weeks ago. UM Army isn't about making teenagers a little less obnoxious. <laughs> UM Army is about being a channel of the Holy Spirit so that even teenagers get saved. Even teenagers become something amazing and wonderful. And VBS is not just to entertain the kids and get a little Jesus in them. It's to lay the groundwork for a new creation. I want to share with you a little video that we used during VBS. Uh, the narration, it's, it's aimed for kids, but I think, I think you will hear what, what we need to hear in this video. Meet Lauren. She's your pretty typical kid. She loves Legos and animals. These are freshwater fish. Mine is peaches. My brother's is Green Lantern. My sister's is Uma. She loves learning. My favorite subject in school is writing. I did write. This is kind of like a comic book. She also loves cruising around her basement on her scooter and bouncing on trampolines. Lauren also serves Jesus in a big, bold way by serving at her local food kitchen. I saw all the people who didn't have food, so I wanted to help them. My first time I served in community kitchen, I tried it in California, and I wanted to do it here. So I told my mom, and she found a place and she said, I can go. First thing, she meets with her crew to get a plan for the day. It feels nice, and it feels like God wants me to do this, because it's important that people who don't have very much things, that we need to care for them. I am the drink and dessert person. When I do desserts, I walk back and forth taking down desserts and putting them on a table. Once everything is set up, they say a prayer before everyone is served. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the food. It's time to start serving. When they start, we have to pour the drinks. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, isn't it cool to see Lauren's boldness as she serves and meets all these grown-ups? You're welcome. We serve juice, we serve milk, and we serve coffee, hot chocolate. It makes me feel bold when I show them that I care about them and that they are important and that we should care for them. And they're always happy when I'm there. 
That makes me feel good. Welcome. You're doing a great job. Thank you. You're welcome. Lauren enjoys serving so much, she invites others to serve with her. My brother wants to go with me, so he'll come next time. In the Bible, the book of Isaiah tells us he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. God has given me the power to show people that they matter and that it's kind to care for people who need stuff and who are just on the streets, who don't have food, who don't have homes, they need stuff. And I got the power from God to show them that they matter. Jesus' power helps us be bold. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? She said, God gives us the power to help people who matter. She obviously is a part of a church and a family and adults who understand that they are in the new creation business. 